All right, so good morning. Uh, my name is Rachel. I am the first lady here at Third Street. That means I'm Corey's wife. Um, and I have the privilege and the honor of closing out our series that we've been in called Help. If you've been here the last few weeks, you got to hear from KT and Dio and Rev on all these different ways that God is our help. And this week, um, this week as we wrap things up, uh, I'm so excited to talk to you about one of my favorite things in Scripture. And that is when God helps without our even asking. And so this week, um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 16. And we're going to be talking about a woman named Hagar. Um, Hagar is absolutely um, she is, she is such an edifying piece of scripture. Hey, can I get um, Genesis 16 up on the thing? Thank you. Um, sorry, usually I run the slides. So <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about Hagar. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to be starting in verse 1. Um, so if you have your Bible app, you're welcome to take it out. You can just look up here on the screen. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. And so Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. And so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And so Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away, and the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, why have you come, where have you come from, and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant. You will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? 
So that well was named Bir Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. And it can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. And so Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So God saw Hagar, but Hagar didn't actually say anything. It doesn't say that she prayed. It doesn't say that she cried out to God. It said she was in the wilderness and she was in distress. So I don't know, um, I don't know what, you, what your relationships are like, what your friendships or your family life are like, but Corey and I, we have been together like 12 years or something. I should know that offhand. Uh, like 12 years or something like that. We're coming up on nine years married. And um, when we were sitting down, with, uh, sitting down with some friends of ours, Corey pointed out to me, that I have some specific mannerisms and things that I do that I'm completely unaware of when I get angry. Like he can see my anger coming before I have even said anything. So he pointed out to me one time that he knows that he needs to step into a situation if he sees me bite the left side of my lip. That is so specific, right? I didn't even know that I did this. Apparently, when I start getting extremely frustrated, whether it's with our kids or we're sitting in a meeting together with someone, he knows that inside I am imploding. If I lean back a little bit and, my, and I start to cross my arms a little bit like this, and he sees me do this, like he knows that whoever is across from me is about to get blasted. And so he has started jumping in when he sees that. I, apparently, I do it with my kids. I do it with whole adults. Apparently, it doesn't matter. Whoever is across from me has just angered me so much that I'm about to lose my mind. And I had no idea I did this. So then I started noticing when I would do it and when he would jump in. And you know what, I, at first I, it, it started to like fizzle my anger a little bit because I would start to laugh. I'm like, dang, he's right, I really do that. Um, but then I also started to have so much appreciation for him. Somebody who had taken such notice of me and my habits and what I do and everything about me that he said, you know what, I see what is happening under the surface, you haven't even seen it yourself yet, and let me jump in and take care of this. He has become this buffer that I didn't know I needed between me and my kids. And I've watched as we've sat in meetings together when somebody has become a little disrespectful towards me, because I don't know if you're aware of this, people do that to women a lot in meetings, and he has started jumping in and saying, no, my wife, will not be treated like that. I can see by what she is doing that she has become so unrestful. She has lost so much of her peace. Her spiritual and emotional health is not good and I am coming in 
to take care of her because she is precious to me and I will not let that happen. That's what God did for Hagar. God knew her so intimately. He knew everything about her. He knew her emotional, her spiritual, and her physical place. And he jumped in for Hagar. And he said, hey, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where are you going? And what are you running from? Can you imagine how that felt to her? She was an Egyptian servant, which means that Abraham and Sarah picked her up in Egypt. Actually, if you go back through Abraham and Sarah's journey, you'll see that they did some pretty dumb things, specifically in Egypt, where Abraham pretended like Sarah wasn't even his wife because he wanted to save his own skin. And so he gave his wife to Pharaoh. And then it says that Pharaoh was so mad that he had been deceived that he sent all of this stuff as reparations with Abraham and Sarah. And one of those things that he sent was Hagar. So she had been treated like property. She had been treated like she was worthless. And in that moment of deep distress, God said, Hagar, where are you going from? What are you running from? I'm here and I see you. I hear what you're saying that you haven't even been able to utter because you have felt like no one is listening. The first thing I want us to take away from Hagar's story is that God hears you. God hears you. In Romans, Paul writes about how the Holy Spirit works and how when we don't have the words to say, it speaks on our behalf. The Holy Spirit puts to holy language to God what it is that we can't even find the strength or the words or the consciousness of mind to say. The Holy Spirit sees all of those little things about us that show that we are in distress and it speaks for us to God and then God comes right in front of you and says, I hear you. You might think that you are putting on a good face. Like me, you might think that biting your lip is a way of biting your tongue. You might think that you are showing everyone around you how strong you are, but God hears the things that you cannot put language to. God hears the condition of your heart and the condition of your mind. Where in your life is God trying to show you that he hears you, but you're still holding up that front? Where are you pretending that you are good, but you're not? You need to be honest with God because he's not surprised. God is not surprised by your honesty. God wasn't surprised that Hagar ran away from Sarai. He wasn't surprised by that, not even a little bit. He knew what was happening. He saw it all. He heard it all. And he was waiting 
for the right moment to enter. And you know, there's something really interesting that, that happens in that first part of Hagar's story. See, the first time that Hagar is called by name is in verse 8. When we read it, we can see that the person writing the story is calling her Hagar. But Abram and Sarai, they're calling her your servant and my servant. Abram could sleep with this woman, but he couldn't have the respect to address her by name. She had been treated like property her entire life. Imagine sitting in Egypt and in your home and then waking up one day and finding out that Pharaoh had just said, you're going to go with these people and you're going to serve them now because you might be a walking human being, but you are a piece of property and I have the right to tell you where you live and where you go. And I don't know what family you think you had, but you're going with them now. These are the people that you're going to serve. And then they call you your servant, my servant. They don't even call you by your name. And so imagine how that felt after being told everything that she was going to be doing, after having her whole life dictated for her, after being treated like a piece of property and being treated like less than human. She's out in the wilderness, pregnant and alone. And God shows up and says, Hagar. He called her by her name. When I was um, in college, I made the decision to no longer associate with the church. I had had, I had, had some terrible experiences with Christians, and so I left the church and I wanted nothing to do with it. And uh, I found myself back here in Canton. I grew up, I went to Perry High School. I've been here my whole life. And uh, um, I came back here and uh, I got invited to go to this church and I blatantly said no for like a month. I was like, no, I'm not going. I don't need to be there. I already know what I'm gonna find inside those walls. I don't need to just show up in another space where my presence is ignored and I am unwanted. So I said no for a long time. To Corey, I don't know if you've ever said no to him, but he's so obnoxious in the way he pursues. And so he kept telling me every time, like every week, he's like, hey, are you gonna come with me yet? And I'm like, no. And by the way, we were not even dating. I was actually dating somebody else. So it was even easier to be like, nah, <laughs> go away. And I, so I kept telling him no. And then finally one week, I had hit such a rock bottom in my life, and he was one of the only people that I knew who was living decently. <laughs> and, and so I was like, whatever, I will go with you. I'll go with you to this church. And, and I showed up, and I sat through everything, and I watched everything, and I was like, huh, these people are like kind of nice. I don't mind them. I don't like them, but I also don't mind them. And so the following week, he said, why don't you come back? And I still had no good reason to tell him no. And I didn't hate it the week before. And so I went back 
And that next week, when I walked in, the pastor looked at me and he said, hey, Rachel, it's really good to see you again. And I like looked at, I don't know what facial expression I gave him, but if you haven't picked up by now, my face doesn't hide anything. And so I had to have given him a strange expression because he remembered my name. I could not believe that he remembered my name. There were so many people who had come. There were so many people who were there. There were so many people that he had to remember, right? Because you have to remember a staff. You have to remember your leaders. You have to remember so many things. But he remembered my name. And I don't remember anything else that happened the whole, that whole time. That was like a super long service. It was like being here. And uh, I don't remember anything. I just remember that he knew my name. And that, that changed everything for me. Because my whole life, I had been Jeff and Steve's little sister, Steve's daughter, the person volunteering with my mom. I had been somebody else's. But I showed up there, and I was welcomed by my name. And I went back every week after that, and my whole life changed. My community of people changed. So many things changed because somebody called me by my name. When we look at Hagar's story, she is the first person in the whole Bible who looks at God and makes him personal. Up to that point, he had been called a provider, and he had been called a Lord, and he had been called a God. But Hagar looked at God after he saw her so personally and called her by her name, and she looked at him and said, you are Elroy. You are the God who sees me. He wasn't just the God who sees, he was the God who sees me. God sees you. He knows your name. We don't see anything prior to this story of magnificent things that Hagar did for God. We don't see anything that, oh, she had this rap sheet of faithfulness and all these things that she had done that were so wonderful that would have made God take notice. She was just a person created in the image of God who needed someone to intervene. And so God made it known to her, I see you. And she responded back by saying, you see me. And then God drove a point of remembrance for that that she could never forget because she said, he said, you're going to name your son Ishmael, which means God hears. God hears. God sees you. And he is trying to give you things that will help you remember that he sees you. Hagar, from that point on, could not look at her pregnant belly and could not call the name of her son without saying, God hears 
and without remembering that moment in the wilderness where God sees. He took someone who had been told time and time again by what happened in her life that she was insignificant, and he said, you are significant to me. Let me ask you, do you believe that God sees you? Do you actually believe, not just say with your mouth, but in the posture of your heart, do you believe that God sees you? Do you believe that he knows your name? Do you believe that he knows your name? Do you know all of that in a transformative way that changes your heart? Because Hagar was sent back. Her external situation did not change. But internally being seen by God changed everything for her. I want to go quickly to the next part of her story. This is in Genesis 21. Right before what we're about to read, God follows through on his promise because God always follows through on his promise. And he followed through on his promise to Abraham and Sarai that they would bear a son. Sarai got pregnant and she bore a son named Isaac. And so all of a sudden, Ishmael, who had been the chosen son, gets bumped because Abraham and Sarah took things into their own hands. And so Ishmael has lived 13 years, 13 years alone as the chosen son, fulfilling God's promise, getting all the inheritance. And then Sarai gets pregnant. She has Isaac and she gets mad. And she says, you need to get them out. I personally believe she got that mad and wanted them out because it was a constant reminder of her own failing doesn't say that in scripture that's just something I think so take that for what you will but she says they need to go and that's where we're at in verse 12 it says but God told Abraham do not be upset over the boy Ishmael and your servant do whatever Sarah tells you for Isaac is the is the son through whom your descendants will be counted but I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he's your son too. And so Abraham got up early the next morning and prepared food in a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. And then he sent her away with their son. She wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. And when the water was gone, she put the boy, the 13-year-old boy, who just got sent away by his father under a shade tree. And then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying, because remember his name means God hears. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him for I will make a great nation from his descendants. 
Then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. See, Hagar's story didn't end there. In our, in our Bibles, it ends there. That's where we see the end of Hagar. But it didn't end there. And if we read between the lines of some of the stuff that is said right there, we can see how faithful God was to Hagar. So remember, Ishmael was sent away when he was 13. So he had lived the first 13 years of his life with a father. And then that father who he had lived with sent him away. Just said, you got to go. We see that Abraham was distraught over it, but he still did it. So can you imagine how he's feeling as he gets sent into the wilderness with his mother, no idea what is about to happen to them. So I know a phrase that Corey uses a lot here is the dangers of casual reading. The dangers of casual reading. We'll read this story and see the end of it and be like, oh, that was nice. He arranged for a marriage, or she arranged for a marriage to an Egyptian woman, and they lived happily ever after, after, and he got real good at archery, and that's kind of a cool thing, right? That's what reading casually will tell us. Here's something crazy. Genesis, the book of Genesis where we find this, is written by Moses. So Moses wrote, recorded this story 400 years after it happened. There's 400 years between the time of Hagar, Ishmael, Abraham, and Sarah, and the time that Moses writes this. It says that she arranged for him to marry an Egyptian woman. And it also says that his descendants would become many. Moses was raised as an Egyptian prince. Moses was a part of Israel. But at the time when Moses was born in Egypt, there was a decree that all, all firstborns and all, all babies who were born during this time would be killed because Pharaoh didn't want the nation of Israel to keep growing. And so Moses's mother sent him in a basket down the river and he was picked up by Pharaoh's wife and Pharaoh's wife saw this baby and said, I will take this baby and raise it as my own. So he was a man from the descendants in Israel who was raised as an Egyptian prince 400 years after this promise. Well, Ishmael did have a great nation come from him. The nation of Islam, so the entire Muslim faith, comes from Ishmael. To this day, 95% of Egypt identifies as Muslim. It is the most dominant religion in Egypt. Do you know how many descendants and how large of a nation can be developed in 400 years? So Moses would have learned the story of Hagar and Ishmael probably before he even came to know the story of Isaac. 
God preserved the story of Hagar. God was so faithful to Hagar and Ishmael. And so I don't know if you're like me and you're a skeptic and so you read this story of Hagar in the wilderness and you're like, but how do we know? She was alone, how do we know? How do we know that that's what happened? We know because it was an oratory culture where faith and religious practices were preserved by telling stories because most people couldn't read and couldn't write. And so Moses learned this story and that's how we get it because God will make it make sense. The things that don't make any sense that you're experiencing, God will make it make sense. God is doing something so much bigger than what we are even aware of. The things that we are going through and experiencing that we're like, I don't understand. Why would you send me away into the wilderness? Why would you send me away like I'm nothing after you showed me that you see me and you showed me that you hear me? Why would you send me away? He will make it make sense. He fulfilled the promise that that 13-year-old boy thought he was living in and then all of a sudden had stripped out from under him. God made a nation. And then because we need to know that God sees us and God hears us and God will make our lowest points make sense, he had an Israelite raised in the house of Pharaoh so that we could see what was happening to Hagar and we could sit here in 2021 and say in our lowest points, God sees and hears and he will make it makes sense. God is so much bigger than what it is that we think makes us not good enough. God's altar is expansive and it is open to everyone. 